actually a beautiful Saturday here in the city of brotherly love. After yesterday, yesterday was kind of weird. Yesterday was like a, um, it, was, it, was, it was it was windy, and then, you know, some ice and snow came, and then it was sunny, and then it was nighttime, and then the nighttime happens all the time. But it was just kind of crazy how yesterday's weather was just, it, yesterday's weather was crazy here in the city of brotherly love. And, um, you know, but I'm glad to see the sun is out. The sun is out for the weekend. And, uh, you know, spring is here. Spring has officially arrived. Whether you feel it's official or not, it's officially here. We are here. The Intelligent Ignorance Crew. Without further ado, let me bring in my man, All That Hunters in the building. What's on, man? Jay, man, I just want to piggyback off what you said. The weather was absolutely nuts yesterday. It snowed for about 10 minutes. It rained for about an hour. It was hail for about five, ten minutes. And then it was 55 degrees outside. And I wanted to go put shorts on the hoop for a minute. But uh, it's been a beautiful day, man. We are uh, live and direct. It's sunny outside. We might go get some throws in for uh, baseball today. But, man, I'm ready to get rocking and roll with this podcast, even though I'm in the middle of March Madness right now, Jay. You been watching any of the games? I, I got a chance to see a few of the games. I didn't see as many games as I like. I saw the second half of the North Carolina Tar Heels game yesterday. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed that. It felt like they were waiting for me to watch. Because when I turned it on, they were only up three points. And then, and then it just got out of hand from there. But, um, yeah, I got a chance to see quite a few games, um, actually. You know, between everything I do, it's hard to catch anything on TV. But uh, what games did I see? I saw uh, – I can't even remember what I saw. To be honest with you, I saw I would have to look at my bracket to be able to tell you what games I saw. But I saw the Carolina game yesterday. I saw I did not see Duke play. I did not see Virginia play. I did not see Gonzaga play. I didn't see Villanova play. Did I see anyone play? Sounds like I didn't see anyone play. Um, I saw Ohio State play a little bit last night. I saw VCU play a little bit uh, with uh, Central Florida. Central Florida got a kid that's seven foot six on the squad. Uh, they they they're going up to play Duke. Or I should say they're they're matched up with Duke in the next round, around the thirty two. Um, who else did I see play? I don't even know, man. But, but how much of the tournament have you gotten a chance to check out? Man, I'm I'm actually in the midst of watching LSU versus Maryland right now. Absolutely great game so far. Uh, I definitely got to check out John Morant. Uh, I am seeing that he is definitely a lottery pick. Uh, they're saying he's number two in the country, uh, right behind Zion. I think he might be three behind Zion and R.J. Barrett, but uh, nonetheless, he should be in the top three of the draft. Uh, I've got to see uh, what's my man's name, Taco. Uh, I can't. Even... Taco, <laughs> Taco. Is that his Taco name, Taco? Taco, Taco, Taco Fall. Yeah. Seven foot six. I mean, this this guy is huge. I can't wait to see him in the Duke game, because that's going to be a really interesting one, too. Oh, man, March Madness, you know, this is the best time of the year for me. Uh, it's the culmination of college basketball. We head into opening day baseball. We got a week away from Major League opening day, so I'm just, man, I, as a sports fan, I'm excited right now. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is one of my favorite times of year. This is this is really one of the times year I hate having hate being employed because I would rather sit home and watch TV from 12 noon on to 12 midnight or whatever time the games end because, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's just straight basketball. 
And then, you know, right. in, the, in a little bit, you're going to have some baseball games. You know, open day games happen in the middle of the day. So they're going to be playing in the middle of the day. And I wish I was home sitting sitting on my couch with a beer or some type of cold beverage and watching those games and maybe, you know, maybe a, a hoagie or, or, or maybe a nice Caesar salad, but probably not. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you, want to, you want to enjoy the games, you know, in the middle of the day. You know, this is what springtime and summertime is all about. Unfortunately... Unfortunately, um, you know, in a couple of months is going to be one of the most saddest times of the year for me, which is the end of the NBA season. You know, once the NBA Finals are over, it gets, unless it's an Olympic year or a World Championship year, more so in the Olympic year, you know, the NBA Finals is, is, is a bittersweet moment for me. But we're not there yet. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, you know, as, as most people know, I'm a baseball coach, and our first game coming up is Monday afternoon as we take on Boys Latin of Philadelphia. And um, you know I'm really excited about uh, about our team's chance how we're looking this year. Um, you know a lot of a lot of more work to do, a whole lot more work to do for for our squad. But um, um, uh, things are looking very promising. I like the way we look, man, and um, you know I'm very excited about that. So um, I know uh, you are you're a Duke Blue Devil fan. I'm a North Carolina yes, fan. Sir. Uh, we tend to not talk to each other on the days that they play, unless it's yeah, like man. after the game or something like that. Um, but what is your what is your assessment? And I'll give I'll give my assessment of the Duke Blue Devils. If you give your assessment of the North Carolina Tar Heels, I just thought that would be interesting. Well, you know me. You know, as a sports fan, I mean, I just I'm a fan of teams and greatness. You know, we were both college athletes, so Division One college athletes might not add so. Competing at that level, you, as a fan of Duke, it is easy for me to not like North Carolina. But when they're not playing each other, I actually like watching North Carolina play. And I think that they are one of the most complete teams in the country. Uh, They have a lot more depth than people think. They move the ball really well. one of my major concerns, which I know has been one of your concerns with North Carolina as well, is point guard play. And I I am not sold on Kobe White, but it was funny because I was just watching uh, Jay Will talk about him, and he was projecting him to be a top ten pick in the draft as as point guards go. He said he should definitely be a top ten pick in the draft, and I really didn't see where that came from because he hasn't developed a consistent jump shot yet. I do know that he has court That's what you call tampering. (laughs) But as a a former Blue Devil, I I was a little confused as to how he had him on his pedestal. But I said, you know, I can't can't argue it. But I do believe that I had them. Well, you know what? When I think about it, I disagree with him. But I'm, I'm... I'm hard pressed to find a whole lot of point guards that may be coming out this year that are uh, that are better than him. Okay, and from that standpoint, maybe he's right. But I don't think he should come out. And it's not because I'm a Carolina fan and want him to stay. I want I'm I'm more so. I'm like, look, this dude needs to get better. I'm not impressed with him personally. I mean, he he can score. I understand that, but I'm not impressed with him. But I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt. Go ahead. I'm, I'll let you go. No, I was saying, so uh, in my bracket, uh, I did two brackets this year. 
both brackets, I had North Carolina in the Final Four. Uh, one of them I had playing Duke in the national championship and Duke getting the win, splitting for the season. Uh, and then another I had them losing to Houston in the Final Four, which if anybody – and I've been saying it all year. I am a firm believer in Houston team this year, and I do think that they have – I had Houston knocking off, I think it was Kentucky in that, in that region. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I do believe that Carolina is a Final Four team, uh, however you slice it, and they are definitely championship material, which you know I didn't say the first week of the season. I didn't think that they were – I knew I thought that they were top four in the ACC, and I didn't think that they were top four in the nation. Now I definitely think that they're top four in the country, and they have national championship potential. Two one five three eight three three nine nine two. We're talking March Madness right now, um, and we're you know we want to know what your opinion is. And I'm about to give my assessment of the Duke Blue Devils team that I despise. Um, but, you know, we're doing something interesting here, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, but a little later on, we're going to be talking about the uh, the safe injection site in Philadelphia, the nation's first safe injection site in the, uh, in Philadelphia here. And uh, we're going to be taking your opinions on that, your thoughts on that. Tell us what you think. 215-383-3992 is the number to call. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think that that's going to get very interesting. I know we have our, our thoughts on that. But um, let me go into my assessment of the Blue Dep- Blue Duke. I can talk. <laughs> the Duke Blue Devils um, being a Carolina fan. What do I see? Well, of course, you know, in the beginning of the season, the Duke Blue Devils had a lot of hype surrounding them because, of course, they had three of the top five recruits in the country. R.J. Barrett. Uh, Cam, um, Cam Riddick. Uh, help me out. Cam Riddick Cam. and Zion Williamson. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, early on, there was a lot of talk where they may go undefeated. I wasn't, I, I, I couldn't say that I was like, that I was saying they were going undefeated, but I could see why people would think that. Cause I mean, they were just, they just looked like they were going to be way too good. Um, and that first loss was to Gonzaga an experienced yep. Gonzaga team. And I actually picked them to lose that game um, because I thought the experience was going to be a little bit too much for the, for the young guys that early in the season. Um, that being said, I do think they're a national championship caliber team. Um, I think barring an upset today or tomorrow, excuse me, is it tomorrow? tomorrow, barring an upset tomorrow, I believe they can go all the way to the national championship. I actually have them going all the way to the national championship final and playing my North Carolina Tar Heels and losing that game. There's no way I can pick Duke over North Carolina. I just can't do it. I can't do it on paper. Okay, just there's no way I can do it. I'm not capable of it. I don't think I have the gumption to do it whatsoever. Um, now the 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 three. The only thing I see them running into, and at, at this point in the season, I don't know how much it's going to matter because they have been battle-tested for the most part, is running into a, a veteran team. Um, this, this Central Florida team that they're going to see tomorrow night is a pretty good team with a seven-foot-six seven center. 
who says he shouldn't have said he should have kept his mouth shut. He says he's 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 not allowing Zion to posterize. Well, I'm sure Zion got one, and I'm sure he's going to attempt it. But you know, could it be a head game? Could it be where you know he wants Zion to come in a lot and, and play, just try to dunk on him all day? I don't know. It's very interesting the way these things can happen. Um, but you know, the Duke Blue Devils have a team that they can play inside, they can play outside, and they, as always, they have the scrappy hustler guys that will not make it to the NBA, that will probably play overseas if they're not in somebody's uh, boardroom in some company. Okay. Um, they are a national championship caliber team. I cannot pick them to win this national championship, but I will not be surprised if they won the national championship. God, I hope they don't win the national championship. I'm going to leave it at that. Hit us up, 215-383-3992. Um, you know, Duke Blue Devils, for me, winning the national championship is like the Celtics winning the NBA Finals. It's like the Dallas Cowboys winning the um, the Super Bowl. Or it's like the, uh, I guess the Mets winning the World Series, in a sense. I guess you could say. I don't know. So, but so let me ask you this, Jay. Who who do you think you have? Who would you have Player of the Year this year? Well, the Player of the Year this year would probably be Zion, for sure. Probably be Zion because, as I've said all year, I don't think Zion is the best player on the team. However, he's the most exciting player in NBA basketball. In, 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 in NBA basketball. He's the most exciting player in, in, the NC, in NCAA basketball right now. Um, he is must-see TV. He is one of the uh, engines that runs that Duke Blue Devil team. Now, you saw when, when Zion went out for that period of time, Duke Blue Devils, although they won, you know, they won the majority of games while Zion was out, they struggled with some teams that they shouldn't have struggled. Um, and I tend to believe had Zion been in those games, there's no way they struggled against some of them teams. One being, I think they lost to Virginia Tech while Zion was out, I believe. And uh, am I right? Was Zion out during that Virginia Tech game? Yeah, he was. So, uh, th- th- really – there's only they've only lost one game with Zion in the lineup, and that was against Gonzaga. And that was the Gonzaga. All the, that was the Gonzaga. The game they lost to Syracuse, Zion got hurt in that game. No, I'm sorry, no, they lost to Syracuse with Zion in the lineup. Yep. The uh, point guard got hurt in that game, but they lost to Carolina. With they lost both games to Carolina with Zion out of the lineup. Am I right? That is correct. Am I right? Okay. So, you know, Zion is the is the player of the year in college basketball for me. What about you? Well, interestingly enough, uh, and you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a Zion fan. There are two other players that I feel like are competing for it right now. And that's John Morant, who I feel like is the most, I, I don't want to call him underrated because he's gotten a lot of attention. Uh, you know, he was Zion's AAU teammate in high school. So he obviously had the high-level ability. He just ended up at Murray State. So he doesn't get the attention that he could potentially deserve, but he also doesn't play the same level of competition either. Uh, but John Moran has been one of the exciting people to watch. He came out first game in the NCAA tournament. He's the first player to get a triple-double in his first game 
in the NCAA tournament. So he put himself on the map with that, even though he's put himself on the map all year. This was his first real national stage, so to speak. And then uh, and I'm going to butcher his name because I've only seen him play twice. But both games, I was super excited to actually watch him play. But uh, Roy Hachimura, Gonzaga. I watched the Duke game, the first game, where they beat Duke, and I was super impressed. Uh, and then I watched the conference championship game where they lost to St. Mary's. And uh, that lo- even in the loss, he played stellar. It was just he didn't have any performance from the teammate. But those are my top three. I truly believe Zion is going to win it just because of the hype machine that's surrounding him right now. I definitely think he's going to win it. So, But those two, those other two, I feel like are making it super exciting. 215-383-3992 is the number to call. Hit us up. Let, me, let us know what you're thinking about this uh, NCAA tournament, March Madness, if you will. That's what the, that's what the locals like to call it, March Madness. Um, call us and let us know that you think Carolina is going to win. Please. I would love to hear from you. You know what? Tell if us you think Carolina is going to win, do press two. <laughs> if, you think, if you think Duke's going to win, press down. one. Listen to R. Dye. He's not controlling the board. He's not controlling the board. Not yet. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit on this live podcast on New Tours Radio, and um, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, a topic that has been um, it's been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, it, it's been it came about more again yesterday. Um. And that is the safe injection sites or safe eject injection site here in uh, the city of Philadelphia. Um, a lot of mixed emotions about that. A lot of mixed opinions, um, and, and rightly so, justly so. There, you know, there's so many things that when you just look, when you just look at it on its surface, you're like, okay, you're providing an, a place for people to, you know, do what they're going to do in a safe environment, okay, um, and the things that they're going to provide these people. And then if you look at it again, it's like, okay, now, you know, if you look deeper into it, there's a lot of things that go in that you would say, you know, this does not need to happen. So, you know, I would love to hear from people, 215-383-3992 is the number to call if you have any opinions about safe injection sites. The one in Philadelphia is the nation's first. And, you know, when I hear about safe injection sites, you know immediately what I think about, right, R-Dot? You got to know. What? Fill me in. Immediately I think about, um, what was it called? Oh, man, it just it just slipped my mind just like that. But on the wire, when they had that, that area where you, Ham- they let people sell the drugs. Hamsterdam. That's immediately is what I think about, is Hamsterdam. Immediately. And it makes me wonder if they kind of got the idea from the wire. For people that don't know, Hamsterdam was an area in Baltimore in the in the in the um, the series The Wire that came on that aired on HBO. And Hamsterdam was an area where where they allowed people to sell and do drugs 
and it was a it, it was an area that was you know it was kind of monitored and all like that. But they, as long as they kept it out of other parts of the city, they were fine in, in doing their business there. And part of me feels I know it's not the same thing, but that's the only thing I can think of when I hear about these safe injection sites. It's Amsterdam. How? What do you think about it right now? What, what's your feelings on it? Let's talk about it. Oh man! So I I can get pretty deep on this one uh, because so the people that know me, people that are close to me, they they know my father was a was an addict. So growing up, I had to deal with addiction. So it's a a very close subject for me and. In seeing something like this, it almost feels like, as a society, we're looking to normalize drug addiction. Uh, We're looking to make it okay, because I'm confused as to how you can purchase an illegal drug and then use it safely. So they're saying, hey, we don't, you know, we're not going to worry about how you obtained this illegal substance but we're going to make it okay for you to use it because we know we can't stop the sale of it and it was an interesting uh, piece of data that came out with the announcement about Philadelphia it was saying that Philadelphia has the worst fatal overdose rate in the nation among large cities Uh, and it said that there are estimated 70 thousand heroin users in Philadelphia according to the health department which means that obviously the number is higher because you only have reported data so there's plenty of people that use and never put it out there Uh, but it's saying that the report uh, they were estimating that a single site in Philadelphia could prevent up to 76 drug overdose deaths So to put that in perspective, uh, last year, 900 people in Philly died of overdoses. So it's less than a 10% save rate. So I'm not saying that it's not successful. It wouldn't be successful because obviously saving any life is going to be a positive, but when you think about saving 76 lives and losing another 824 and then the costs that go with keeping the facility monitored, the employment of people, just the cost associated with keeping a site like that up and running, uh, you know, how much is this going to cost taxpayers? How much is this going to cost the city of Philadelphia And then the more important thing is what happens when or if, should I say, I don't want to be negative, but what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if you're trying to save a life there and people still die? Then is the facility held responsible because they let these people come in knowing that they had illegal drugs and knowing that they allowed people to use it? Uh, It's it's one of those things for me where I feel like we're just giving up as a society. And I know you and I talked about it off air a little bit. I said, I feel like, you know, when we had the, the D.A.R.E. program, 
uh, drug abuse resistance education. I remember all of the lessons from there, and I was a fifth grader. So I was, this was 20-plus years ago. I'll say that much. I don't remember what (laughs) year fifth grade was, but I know it was more than 20 years ago. And those lessons stuck with me, paired with what I saw uh, growing up. And, you know, my father, who passed away, was, you know, he was obviously not while he was living. He was a recovering addict. Uh, And even his efforts to help in the community educate people about narcotics and his travel with Narcotics Anonymous, uh, it was really eye-opening to see how drug addiction impacted people, Uh, but more importantly, that you see that people who are going to use are going to use, and they're going to find ways to use, but that doesn't make it right. And I think that that was a big portion of what, you know, I saw from being around Narcotics Anonymous. It was like, hey, you have to take the steps to not be addicted. And now it seems like we're just trying to normalize drug use. Uh, also, a lot of what we did as a country with marijuana, you know, it was it was so it was so illegal, should I say? It was just one of the worst things that you could do in our society, uh, and especially in our culture. And we locked away so many of our black men and brown men and then it becomes big business and now there are a lot of people who are not brown and they're making millions and millions of dollars off of the same engine that we were told we can't benefit from Uh, so I'm thinking that when we take these steps to normalize something like heroin uh and we're allowing the use of it, not openly, but in a controlled setting, it's setting up the stage to say this is okay. And do I'm you not think, sure. What were, what were you going to say? Do you, do you think that a safe injection site will create new addicts? Maybe someone that, that you know, that, someone who is not using now. But, you know, they have these safe injection sites and they know they can go to this place and not have any type of, um, you know, static, let's just say. Could it cause, could it create new addicts? Because, I mean, right now the the idea is people that are addicts go to these places and and, and tend to their business, okay? I don't think, I I see what you're saying. I don't think it's going to create more addicts, but what I do think, is that it's going to potentially help inform that there are more addicts than reported. So like I said earlier, you know, that number that they reported was 70,000 addicts in Philadelphia alone. But those 70,000 are reported addicts. And I think now it's going to bring out the fact that there are more than 70,000 heroin users in the city of Philadelphia. It's just that those people haven't been caught or those people aren't admitting it. And I think now with normalizing it more, it is going to bring those people out uh, just for the fact that now it's a safe space 
and those people who may actually have to had to deal with overdoses or don't want to overdose, they're going to go to these facilities and make sure that, you know, I, I'm in a space where if I overdose, somebody's right there. Somebody can, you know, administer the naloxone, and I think that that's what it's called. Don't don't quote me, uh, but I know it kind of reverse reverses the effects of the overdose. Uh, but then I also said that at the safe site, they were also going to test for HIV. They were going to do wound care and site care for the injection. And also, they would refer users to substance abuse treatment. And it's just one of those things to me where it's saying that the city is saying that they're looking to use every proven tool to help save lives. Uh, but I just feel like that this is going to create more of a normalized environment of drug use in the city of Philly. Two one five three eight three three nine nine two is the number of call right now. We are talking about the nation's first safe injection site in the city of Philadelphia. It's is being proposed, is being protested, is being you know all of the above. One of the concerns I heard on the news was that uh, people are saying that the, the site that they are selecting is um, within walking distance of three public schools. And you know they can they see that as as an as an issue. I mean I'm just throwing that out there um, because you know I, I can see why people would be concerned about that, especially if their kids are you know at this at the school or need to maybe walk past this place to get home from school. Um, you know, Arda, I, I ask you. Um, well, let me let me let me backtrack. Let me backtrack a little bit. You're talking about how, you know, basically these places were not even thought of to need to exist until it hit a certain community, okay? When it was in the black and brown communities and, you know, it was killing off people in that community, it wasn't an epidemic. It wasn't necessarily – there were problems, but it wasn't – it wasn't what they're considering it now. Now that it's in other communities, it's it's reached the, the suburbs, so to speak. Now it's an epidemic. Now they got to do something about it. Now they're not arresting people for it as much. Now they're not arresting people for it as long. They want to get people help. I just wanted to put that out. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Everyone that has that pays attention to any of these issues, they've noticed that that is happening. Um, it's not right, but should should we be grateful that now that there are programs in place or, you know, people in, that are trying to make this better, should we be thankful about that now? Or should should we just be angry that, okay, you know, after you break apart families and all like that, you now you want to fix it because now it's somewhere else that you n- didn't expect the problem to reach? Where where should we stand on that? Uh, you know, personally for me, I feel like, you know, I don't, I you know, I don't know. I, I, I got to get my thoughts together on that one because I feel like, yes, the, it's great that there are programs in place now. 
at least, you know, it's getting attention. But, um, you know, it's just like, why now? Like, what are you going to do for the people or the families that were affected when you didn't want to pay a lot of attention to it? Um, you know, I'll give you the floor, R. Dot, because, you know, that, it, you know, those type of things bother me, and I don't want to go off on a tangent like I'm known to do on this <laughs> prestigious show we have here at Intelligent Ignorance. But go ahead, go ahead, R. Dot. Well, I mean, and it, and it immediately makes me think of an Eminem lyric, uh, you know, back in the day, and it wasn't in reference to, to drugs, it was in reference to the gun violence. Uh, but the lyric says, look where it's at, middle, cool, mid- Amer- middle America. Now it's a tragedy. Now it's so sad to see an upper-class city having this happening. And, and that kind of paints the picture of where we are in society because certain issues, they aren't an issue when it's in black communities, when it's in Hispanic communities, when it's especially black communities. When it's our issue, it's our issue. We were dope heads and crackheads and we were heroin addicts and Jenny starts using cocaine and Billy starts using cocaine. And I apologize if there are any Jennies or Billy's listening. I didn't mean you specifically <laughs> unless you're a crackhead. But when the Billy's and the Jennies and the Timmy's start using these drugs that were the issues of lower class people. That's what they labeled us as lower class citizens. But now when it becomes an issue in their community, now we need to start to find ways to combat it. And how can we stop this? But it was thought as population control when it was our community. When it was up to us, it was, hey, they'll figure it out or it's going to wipe their people out. That's on them. But now that these more prominent communities are being impacted. Now it's, hey, we need to solve a problem. So the one thing that I will say is that the site that they chose in Kensington is I'm I'm glad to see that it is somewhere where the people being affected look like you and I. The people that need the help look like you and I. So they are starting it and being that this is the first one in the nation. The help is starting with us, so it, that hasn't really happened in the past. So I'm glad to see that it is actually starting with us, but I also feel like, hey, it, I I really kind of feel like it's a setup. Like, it's, we want to normalize this now, and we want to normalize it on their account. If we can't get it right with them, because let's say, like I just said, let's say there are more deaths at the site than there are saves then they don't have to worry about piloting this in those upper-class communities because they saw that it didn't work for us. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Absolutely. Absolutely. 215-383-3992. If you have an opinion, if you have a comment to, to, to provide to us here on the show today, hit us up, 215-383-3992. I'm getting some messages coming in from uh, from the text line. And um, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Wait a minute, here we go. Let me let me pull it up. I'm trying to stall a little bit. It's a great, great show. Uh, stuff is crazy here. Um, but you know, the, the question is, you know, he says there's there's pros and cons. So we find needles everywhere, like playgrounds, and you know, you, you see them walking to school and stuff like that. I can remember seeing certain things walking to school. Um, 
We find needles everywhere like playgrounds. Would a safe injection site prevent that? And, you know, I would have to say no. You know, because there's going to be people that are not going to go to the safe injection site. You know, it's just what it is. Um, Just the same way that there are homeless people that don't want to go to a shelter. Like they just, you know, they they want to be comfortable in their own environment, right? I'm assuming. So would it it eliminate seeing um, needles at playgrounds? Man, you would really hope so because that type of stuff, you don't want your kids playing around, you know, that type of stuff. Um, you know, because you never know something could happen. It could it could go through a sneaker and stick them in the foot, or you know they could be rolling around in the grass or something, or you know it, and stick them some. You just just don't want those type things to happen. Um, you know, I I don't have the answer for that. Um, you know, that's just one of those things that you know you would have to try kind of see. But I would I would say if I had to answer if I had to give a definite answer, I would say no. That's not going to stop those type things from happening. Because people are going to use the way they most feel comfortable using, just like people do anything else the way they most feel comfortable doing whatever, whether it's watching TV, having a drink, smoking weed, you know, having sex, whatever they want to, wherever they feel comfortable doing it, they're going, that's what they're going to do. Um, I got another one coming in that says, you know, you know, who would, who would have to pay to clean the facility? You know, would it be contracted out to hazmat company or will your local janitor be responsible? That's a good question, too. I mean, that's the question that we could pose to the uh, the people that are behind this, this effort. Because, you know, if you look at it in, the, in a different way, would it be creating jobs? You know, or is, is there a hospital associated? Now, that I don't know. That's something I could have, I could have actually researched before the show. But is there a hospital associated with this particular or any particular injection site when more pop up because you know hospitals have people that that move that has this material that has that has mat material uh, i guess i guess mat is material and has mat so that moves the, the hazardous material right so um you know with those would they with the hospital send their people out to um clean these places um i, I do believe or that and i'm not sure if you may know better than me I do believe these places are associated with maybe if not a hospital, they are, so they are, they are um, filled with medical personnel. Am I right? Uh, I do understand that the staffs that they are hiring are trained professionals. I'm not exactly sure if that means that they are medical personnel. Uh, Everything that I've seen specifically uses the term, trained personnel, which I think that it may be, it may just be people that have been certified for the use of whatever they're doing, but I'm not sure if we, if they're going to be considered medical personnel because they may not be. But another question is, um, you know, are they going to be 24 hours? I would hope so. I would, it would only make sense to be 24 hours, right? But I'm, I'm pretty know. sure <laughs> it would it would only make sense for it to be 24 hours because you if you if you're in an area where you see people that are affected or are using these drugs you see them all times of the night all times of the morning all times of the afternoon you see them and it would only make sense for that to make it 24 hours if it's not 24 hours that is a travesty that means you're telling these people they can only use 
well, okay. Okay, let me say this first. You can only use drugs between this hour and this hour if you want to be safe, right? But then that goes back to what you were saying, that normalizing drug use. And when you were saying that, Arda, it made me think about a lot of the arguments about the legalization of marijuana. A lot of arguments right. there. A lot of arguments for and against. And that, that that's not what I'm looking to get into right now. What I'm looking to get into is because it's been considered an illegal drug and it's being it's becoming legalized in the area, is that another one that is being given up on? Another fight that has been given up on R dot? Do you see that see it that way? That's how I'm starting to feel about it. So Jay, so I just got some information from their website, safehousephilly.org. Uh, so just to give you some inf- some background information on it, uh, safe house rules of use include no one of, under the age of 18 can come. Uh, there is no drug dealing, no drug sharing, no exchange of currency, no sharing of consumption equipment, no participant, no participant may help another per- participant consume drugs. No staff person may help a participant consume drugs. Staff will not handle controlled substances. All participants must properly dispose of their consumption equipment before leaving the premises. And then it says that their staff will include medically trained professionals, social workers, case managers, certified peer specialists, and recovery specialists. The entire staff is trained in CPR and naloxone administration. Well, I'm not going to go and try to repeat all that, but that, they, they, you heard it. <laughs> you heard what, what's going to be there. Now, I'm sorry if I missed it, Ardot. Did you mention anything about who's going to be cleaning the facility? Uh, no. So it, there wasn't anything that referenced that in their uh, in their frequently asked questions. So that doesn't seem like it was one of those common questions. Uh, but I do think that there obviously is, that is going to become a question of safety and health and cleanliness. So once all of that information becomes available, or if it, that becomes one of the questions that they ask, I definitely think anybody interested in finding more out about it, definitely visit safehousephilly.org and check it out. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting to see some of the things that are on the site in terms of the frequently asked questions and the data that they have behind this right now. 215-383-3992 is the number to call. Check us out. We are talking about the safe injection site here in Philadelphia, the nation's first safe injection site, um, which is allowing people to use their, what's the main drug that, I mean, is it heroin? Is that, is that basically, is that what this place is centered around or? Yes. Um, It's definitely going to be focused on heroin use, um, but it's, so from the the site, it says that they are focusing on the opioid ep- epidemic uh, and reducing the harms of injecting heroin and other opioids. 
Mm. Yeah, there's so many there's so many people affected by so many different drugs in this country, man. Right. It's, and that, and that's all well and good that they want to, you know, they want to try to, um, I guess eliminate the 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 negative things that can happen to you when doing it. Like you said, they're kind of giving up on the the fight in a sense. Um, one one thing that you did mention earlier, Ardot, you were talking about the Dare program. Um. And you asked me earlier about the Dare program. Now I, I do remember growing up in, uh, in elementary school. I do remember that there were some. I, I guess there, there were drug demonstrations, anti-drug demonstrations, in elementary school. Um, I I assume that they were you know associated with the Dare program. I don't even know if that still exists. You know what I mean? With the you know you don't you rarely ever actually never hear. To just say no anymore. Like you never hear. It. I know that yeah. was a Nancy Reagan initiative, but it went on well beyond um, Ronald Reagan's time in office. To just say no. Um, the Dare program. Now I have seen a street sign saying that this is a Dare area, like a drug-free area. You know, and it had the Dare on it, D A R E. But I don't know. I would have to ask kids. If they still run dare programs in in schools, because, yeah, I mean, really, that's where you got to start, right? You got to start them young before, hopefully, before they're offered these drugs or they're 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 you know, they're exposed to these drugs on the street, before someone tells them that you know this is gonna make you great, feel great, and all like that. This is gonna take away all your problems, you know, things that people say. Are the is the Dare program still still around? Or do you have any knowledge of that? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now as as we're on the show. But I mean, I'm sure they have a website. But do they still have programs? I don't. I really don't think so. Um, I know. Obviously, my son is older now. He's 18. Uh, so when he was in school, I, I don't think we ever once discussed the Dare program. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check. Hey, I'm actually gonna website. ask my daughter, who's she's 13. So I'm gonna ask my daughter. You know, hey, hey what do you know 13. about? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> but uh, I gotta I gotta ask because I think that for one, parents need to get involved in those questions too. But then the, the flip side of that is, I'll say right now, and I know obviously I was in the Dare program in the 90s. Uh, so I know that it probably expanded at least to the probably the turn of the century. It was probably around Y2K when it might, might have stopped. I don't even know when it stopped in schools. But I'm going to say I don't know how effective it was when it, the, the, the portion of people that I see in society who are using and abusing are my age or slightly younger. So that also says a lot with, hey, where are we as a society when it became that normal for people in our age group to become users? Well, you know, people walk their – everyone walks their own path, right? Everyone tends to walk their own path. And I'm actually on the D.A.R.E. Right. website right now. It's D.A.R.E.org if you want to check it out. Um, you know, that program – I'm sure 
prevented, you know, it helped to prevent people from from abusing certain drugs. Um, it probably, I, I don't, I don't know if like a lot of it is is the home, a lot of it is your environment, a lot of it is what you believe. Okay, so you know, I can remember going to the basketball courts in the area, and you know the there would be some some guys you know off to the side smoking weed, and it was just like yo you know and and I'm trying not to say too much, but I'm gonna say you know I got to tell the story. <laughs> you would you would think like as a kid you see that and it's like yo they're they're smoking weed over there yo they you you want to keep your distance from that when you are young, right? Right, right. Um, but as time goes on, because when you're young, you you just know, I guess, the cops are going to come and do something. But as time goes <laughs> on and you realize the cops ain't coming in there to stop that, you know, you, you not see in our that. Community. Not in our community, no. You tend <laughs> to notice that maybe that is not as bad or you start to think maybe that is not as bad as they made it seem in these programs. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. I think a lot of it dep- depends on your development as, as as you're growing from a teenager to a man or, you know, however you want to look at it, or to a woman, whatever the case may be. You don't want to leave ladies out. <laughs> um, but, you know, because you see that type of stuff and you see nothing happens to those people. Because you already right. assume because of the things that you have seen, the programs that you've been through, you're assuming something's about to happen to these people. Nothing happens to them for years, for years and years. Right. And then, you know, sometimes you see, I can know, I, I can think of one person in particular, okay, that, that I knew personally growing up. And I just happened to see this person the other day for the first time in years. I mean, I don't know how long, it's been years, it's been Close to 20 years probably close, Yeah definitely close to 20 years I didn't even know if the guy was still alive or not To be honest with you So I just Growing up Knowing him growing up He was pretty cool guy regular dude um, And then you kind of saw him You know start to slide a little bit Okay and then And then as he was sliding He got into other things That you know, took him down even further, and I'm talking about certain drugs. I don't know what the drug in particular right. was, but you know it was drugs that took him down in particular. And I just happened to see him the other day, and it was just like, this dude is still around, and he's, and you can tell he's still, he still ain't all the way, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't overcome that issue. He may not even see it as an issue. I mean, maybe he's functioning well without it. I mean, maybe he's functioning well with it. But you see those things, and you start to question that the programs that that are around right? because what these programs are telling, these programs are basically telling you that, you know, this drug use, you're going to die, devil jail, all that. But you're not seeing that. That's not what you're seeing in the community. So right. did I just go off on another tangent or that? I feel like I was talking for quite some time. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so, I mean, I say all that to say, we know the website is there for the DARE program. Is is the Dare program still necessary? Because we don't even know if they if the kids are going if the Dare program is coming into the school. So is it still necessary? 
Is there, is there something new needed? What 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 do we do, Ardat? Help me out. Help me out because you're smart. Man, man, if I if I knew what we do, I'd be running for office. Which actually, I'm still thinking about doing in 2020. So um, you know, I haven't made that decision yet if I'm going to run for office yet. But uh, 2020, man, what we office need some are you talking about? A bunch of offices. I don't know. Now I might start small city council, something like that. I just need to. I, I'll I'll say that again. The phone, the phone broke up a little bit. Say that again. You might think of what? No, I said city council. I said I want to start small and impact these communities. Uh, for those that don't know, I just launched my nonprofit organization, uh, Blue Demon, Blue Demon Athletics. Excuse me, and that's focusing on educating our young athletes uh, about. Uh, properly positioning themselves to be taken care of when athletics is not there for them. Uh, Because there's a good portion of athletes that never make it to the college levels, never make it to the professional levels. Uh, And because we become so dependent in society on growing up, thinking that sports and music and drugs are our only way out, uh, this program is going to be designed to help position these younger kids to understand that athletics is just a vehicle to get you where you want to go uh, and that it's going to be about what you do individually in the future. So I, I didn't want to go off on a tangent because, like I said, I don't have the answers. Um, I really hope that as a society we can come together and start to figure out this whole drug crisis uh, more so now than ever because it is impacting so many families. Uh, I just, you know, I've lost cousins to overdoses. Uh, I've lost family members to drug use. Uh, so I have personally been impacted by it myself. And the sooner that we can come up with feasible answers, I think we'll be better off. I'm not 100% sure if opening this site is a feasible answer to what we're looking to accomplish. But I, I, I want to see if it yields results. If it yields results, I definitely will be a proponent for it. But uh, I, I just don't see the vision that they're seeing for it right now. I really don't. Two one five three eight three three nine nine two. We have under five minutes left in the show. Um, I'm looking at this Dare website, and um, I don't know what this what this website necessarily is trying to accomplish. But me just me looking at it and scrolling through it, it's pretty doggone boring. So it's not a, a website where you would tell where you would tell kids to go on and look at these videos and you know all like that. It's pretty it's pretty doggone boring. Um I mean they're talking about police departments, they're talking about, you know, curriculum. They're talking about that type of stuff. So I guess it would be a site where someone would go to find out information. It's not really somewhere you would go to see videos on why you shouldn't be dealing with drugs and oh my goodness I'm looking I'm like oh my, I couldn't send a kid to this officer training and conference calendar dare to I mean <laughs> it's boring man I'm sorry it's boring so we got to find something else got to find something else to put out there for the kids for the children because this is this is donations sweepstakes yeah this is awful this is all. This is this is more so information based. This is not something you send your kids to. I just I just had to put that out there. It's terrible, terrible stuff. I I don't mean to talk bad about the Dare program, but come on, man. 
Make it fun for the kids. Give the kids a reason to check out the site. All right. Um, But yeah, I'm interested. Absolutely, and I'm interested in knowing um, whether or not your daughter, if the you know what I'm I'm trying to think about when when the drug program and and only only time I really remember something like that is when we had the uh, elementary school. I remember a teacher talking to us about not smoking. I, I remember that clearly, and that's what I was thinking was the dare, but I don't think that was the dare thing. But I remember her giving this education about not smoking cigarettes and stuff like that. I'm trying to remember if I, I don't necessarily remember, and that's not to say it didn't happen, but I don't necessarily remember a drug program. Now, I know there was posters and stuff saying, no, just say no, and you know there were there were PSAs out there on TV. TV is a lot different now. You don't see a lot of things that we saw growing up. I don't remember. I don't remember a drug program. I think about it. And you said you were part of the Dare program um, with yeah. under under three minutes in the show. Actually, under two minutes. We're about a minute and a half out. Real quick, what did the Dare program? It, what 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 was what was part of it for you? What what do you remember? I mean, it, it it wasn't it wasn't like uh, the Dave Chappelle skit where you had a crackhead coming to where you had Tyrone Bigham coming to the classroom. Uh, for <laughs> us, it was actually it was actually cops that came into the classroom and they talked about drugs and you know locking people up. They talked about the negative consequences of drugs and drug abuse and drug dealing. Uh, so. That was really it. It wasn't. They didn't show us what crack looked like. They didn't show us what we looked like. We figured those things out on our own. But uh, right. yeah, it was just. It was just one of those. It was. They would come into the classrooms and talk about the negative impacts on the community for drug use. That was really it. All right. Well, um, we go and get, get your last words in order. Right, we're about to get up out of here. Oh, man, if anybody uh, is impacted or anybody's interested in checking it out, safehousephilly.org, check it out. Find the information on it. I would love for people to come out, speak about it. If we can get anybody to come on the show and talk about it, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get as much education out there about drugs and drug use as possible, man. Everybody, if you use it, stay safe, please. Uh, If you need help, there are a number of resources to call on. That's my. That's for me. I'm good. And check out March Madness. All right. Hey, look. Let's. It's time for us to get out of here. We appreciate y'all for checking us out with another episode of Intelligent Ignorance. Make sure you check us out next week and check out the replay playing every day at 9 a.m. on NewTwistRadio.com. Definitely want to check that out if you missed any part of the show or if you just want to hear it again. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Twist Radio. And uh, that's about it, man. We love y'all for loving us. We're gonna get up out of here. Peace. Peace.